Newly stocked on the shelves is box number 512 with your hosts, Aeon and the Lioness, Black Trans Women, and Excellent and Defying All Life Expectations. The show begins now. Hey, you guys. Hey, how y'all doing? Welcome to episode 11 of Box Number 5 Soul Podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Yes. Yes. Uh, You know, it always feels so good to be back in this space. This is a sacred space. I know, Aeon. I know. And uh, I just want to say that I love you and you, my sister, and I'm just so happy that we are doing this together. And, um... Before we get into today's show, I just want to just take a moment to um, bring um, a spirit energy into the room. Somebody um, really, really important in community um, passed on Memorial Day. Um, Kia the Barbie, aka Donnelling Lee. Um, she was definitely a staple in the ballroom scene. She is a native of DC. Uh, she unfortunately she passed on Memorial Day and it just it took social media by storm. I was literally gagging all evening yesterday. I wasn't I wasn't um, close personal friends with her. I did follow her on social media and on Facebook. I am cool with people that are cool with her, so I immediately got sad because. I know the girlfriends that I know, they were um, personal and close girlfriends with her. And I just think it's sad anytime we we lose a Black trans woman, young, um, just a really sweet, lovely person. Wow. And I'm just going to miss seeing her on Facebook and seeing her antics and just... Um, how she just how she kept it real, you know. I I like to think of myself as the girl's girl, so I'm a, I'm drawn to other trans women that I just get a sense of realness from from how they carry in their personality. And she definitely gave that. She now she was some teas, but what girl isn't? But she was just a, a nice girl. I actually got to meet her in person at the um, trans march this past September. And took a picture with her. So nice. So lovely. I know. And you know what, girl? In that moment, I just wanted to weigh in really fast. I so my my experience with her is summed up just in that moment when we were in DC. And now you had told me about her. Mm-hmm. Now, and not that I and I had seen her out and about like in community, like from a distance type thing. So I knew who she was. I'm not gonna act like I didn't know that, but she is she was known. Right. However, um you when y'all when y'all met up in the street and y'all y'all initially clicked and then I just remember you introducing me to her and she was just so sweet and I could see like a genuine smile on her face and I just we all sat and took that picture and then London came in and got in on on it too and I just think about that moment how that's crystallized in the history that woman had the ability to go to that march but more importantly we were able to be a part of it because that's on the marches page and that's on our pages. And so for posterity, there's a moment of this powerful cadre of black women standing in solidarity. I believe your daughter was also in the photograph, but yeah, it was just a beautiful moment. It really was. 
Yeah, and she is definitely um, going to be missed. She was definitely a fashion girl. Like, I, I don't peg myself as a, a fashion labels girl, but the little bit that I do know, I learned from watching her, from her pictures. Like, I didn't know what a, a Celine bag was until I saw her with multiple Celine bags. I didn't know what a lot of the high, the high fashion shoes were until I saw her with them. So that was, she could, she could definitely dress. Also, she was the first girl I remember that was really into like the, the makeup thing. And not just like, oh, girls wearing makeup or using makeup to survive. But like, really, that Kim K makeup, she was really the first girl I really saw doing it and taking pictures and documenting herself on social media. So she was really, um, even though she really wasn't big in the ballroom scene, she was definitely around. But she definitely innovated stuff and brought a lot of those um, high fashion influences to the ballroom. And like I said, she was just a real person. I mean, she made her change, like some of the girls made her change. But the thing that I live for the most about her is she wasn't one of the one she wasn't one of them girls that try to act like she didn't do it. Cause you have some girls in community where it's just like, oh, I'm so kind and I went to go see this piece and because I was so beautiful, he just gave me a sack and you know, I didn't have to do anything. It's a lot of girls that be on that, like, okay, girl, you, you were that you were that kind. But she was the type that would break the game down to you. She even had tutorials and she, you know, she was unapologetic about what she gave and what she was. And but she was also willing to be honest with a girl and help a girl out. And that, you know, that's one of the things that I loved about her because so many a lot of girls on that the position that she was in in life they are inauthentic and I never got that from Kia. So I just want to say rest in power to Kia the Barbie, AKA Donna Ling Lee. You will definitely be missed. You will definitely uh, impact the community and you definitely impacted me. And I'm just blessed that I was able to share space and time with you and keep on shining and keep on keeping it real and doing the whole manual sunny in heaven. And, um, yeah, yeah, this this is a blow. This is really a blow, but ooh, was not I was not ready for her passing. I wasn't ready for it. But transitioning uh, That was beautiful, a, sis. Thank you for sharing. Ooh, transitioning to another development. I passed the bar. I found out on Friday that I passed the bar and <laughs> it's just uh it's just a long time coming. Hold on. Sis, are you here? I am. Okay, yeah, yeah, your mic went out. Yeah, it's just been a long it's just been a long time coming. It's been a lot of work over these four years and uh there's a lot of work leading up to taking a bar. And also it was a lot of mental work after I took the bar because I'm gonna be honest, it could have went the other way. It could have went the other way. I am just happy that when I was taking the exam, even though a lot of the material felt uncomfortable to me. I I had prepared and I had trained for months, so I knew that I couldn't leave any points on the table and I knew that I had to finish everything. And I'm just, I, I just feel so relieved. I just feel so relieved. And now I feel like I'm at a point where I can really start my life and start my life the way 
I want to and really make money the way I want to make money and just I don't know girl I just feel like I can do anything and I feel like I can go anywhere now and, and also I'm ready to give back I'm ready to give back to all of the trans folks that now want to come to law school and really break the game down for them and tell them how to master it and how to kill it so it, it'll be more of us out here but Girl, I just, like, the sense of relief, like, I, I, I'm i kind of still on cloud nine. I read the email every day because it's just, like, I, I couldn't believe that I did it, but I did it, and I feel good about it. And you should, and I just want you to know, and then so on our podcast, I would like to take the moment to honor you and give you your roses while you're still here. Um, I just want to say that watching you go through this process is confirmation that someone can have a vision and then give birth to that vision and then plant it deep and pray over it and then watch it go grow from seed to budding to growing to to blooming to harvest and i watched you walk this journey through law school from seed harvest and I was in awe because there were times where it got muddy. There were times where it got dirty. There were times where I watched my sister have moments where, you know, your own the only way you could protect yourself was to seclude and to do it and 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 really get down into your prayer box and really steal into your spirit and not have distractions so that you could get through the process. But I also watch you be vulnerable. I watched you ask, because I know you to be a very prideful woman, as am I, but I watched you lean on community for support. And in your earnest requests, they were answered. And I watched how gracefully you handled that process and how respectfully you used those funds towards the proper way to achieve your endeavors. And then I watched you actually study and labor through the bar. Now, mind you, I left out a very important part there. You overcame even your own personal obstacles that I'm not, I don't even have to list. This is just what I know of you as a woman and the things that I watch you go through. I watched you endure being black and trans and being forced to choose between the two and not choosing between the two and the blowback. I watched you really have to grow and deepen as a woman and really understand your place is not necessarily a place that Paul and Chicago wanted you to have. And like really repositioning your life and your spirit around the idea that I'm now disappointing people who thought they could name for me who I was. You know, I watched you really, really, really go through things that I feel like you and your humbleness, you would never name. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to take the moment right in our podcast to name them because, sis, I think people need think that it is easy to do it. And I say that because they think that people that do it are so exceptional that they haven't had to go through anything. And the beautiful part about you and your journey is that you have been vulnerable. And even though there were times where you had to remove yourself from social media 
or you got a little less vocal, you know, in the, in the front forefront of the movement, you never lost that core bedrock of who you were. And I remember even in those late night conversations when you would just have to be like, girl, your focus was still on not really compromising your ethics as a community member for clout in law school. And so I just want everyone to know on this podcast that this woman is a survivor of more than you will ever know. And as a Black trans woman, she is a glowing example of someone who, who had a dream and didn't just blow it into fruition, but actually nurtured that thing from seed to heart. What you see now in her life and the great blessings that you hear, it's her being able to reap the harvest of extremely hard labor and a very lonely, laborious process of growth, just in general, because she's doing something that not only not too many Black women have done, not too many Black people do, but as a Black trans woman, she's in a league on her own as far as having people that she could reach out. And I'm just glad that she, tr- I'm a part of the community of women that she allowed in her inner circle and that's trust me. So thank you, sis. Thank you for sharing your journey on this podcast and your win on this, this particular passing the bar because that is amazing on the first try. But also, sis, thank you for just the woman that you are and for bringing all of that good, awesome sauce that is the stew that is Brianna to this podcast because this is why I know we're going to be a success. Thank you, sis. Thank you for um, that affirmation. And, you know, thank you for being there because I know that I could lean on you because I know I could tell you certain things about my law school experience and you would understand. You would just, you would have that intimate level understanding because you've been there yourself. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times before I made decisions or I did anything, you, you were one of the voices that I needed to hear from before I made a move. And I just want to thank you just for being that pillar and being that support. And like the lioness said, like, I'm, I haven't, I'm happy that I'm, I've passed, but I'm not doing anything that nobody else couldn't do. But I'm going to be honest, especially for all of the lawyers, the people that want to go to law school it takes a, a heightened level of discipline and it takes a heightened level of having the right people around you that are going to support you because there are so many highs and so many lows. And also, I think you have to be, I think you have to be very clear the type of person you are, who you stand for and what you're about because law school just had, because law school is not for us, it has this nature of making us conform to what, who they want us to be and how they want us to navigate. And then what ends up happening, especially if you're a marginalized person, you end up suppressing a lot of stuff, things about yourself so you can be accepted. And I I knew from day one, I did not want to be that girl. I did not, it was so important for me to not lose my connection to community, to not forget the reasons why I came to law school and why I wanted to get a law degree and to um, give myself permission to still be connected to community. Because as you're ascending, it's so easy for you to start to feel it and feel that you are better than or to feel that you have assimilated out of your marginal marginalization and that's yes. sis you're open right now and i want us to kind of take here take a moment here do you mind if i ask you a question sure 
I would like to know at what point in your law school experience, because I know that our listeners listening right now are like, this is, you know, because this is something that not a lot of people are talking about. And the level of vulnerability that you are experiencing right now, ladies and gentlemen, is something that is a treat to experience. Because in general, not many people can actually speak to the all the beautiful things that make her unique. And so I, I just could, would be remiss if I didn't just take a few moments to ask you some questions, girl. So um, as someone who's been through this process and then you realize before I came to law school, I was this fully formed, formed woman I had reached a level of accomplishment in my community. I had built something that I watched grow. So this wasn't like your first, you had also accomplished, you know, schooling before. So this wasn't like schooling was something you didn't think that you could handle. But this process, like you just mentioned, um, I think it, in a lot of ways, it, it could give you this sense of feeling exceptional. And one of the things that I praised you about was, was that you never lost that touch with community. And so you kind of touched on it just now, but I want to ask, what do you think was the trigger for you to say, I, this is not what I want. Like when you're in, when you were in school and you know, you're just going with the flow and you're learning the experience and then you start hearing about the things that people are looking to achieve out of law school. And then you start watching people like morph into these personalities as they try to become those different types of people. Like at what point did you, and, I, and I'm, I'm hoping you could be vulnerable here. Like when did you really have to feel like as a black trans woman, I need to just be all of me. Um, I guess it didn't come into like right before I started my second year. So uh-huh. like your first year yeah. is all about those core classes and those grades. And then over the summer, there's this thing called OCI, which is short for on-campus interviews. And it's basically where a lot of the big law firms do recruiting. And initially, I didn't want to work at a big law firm. But because I was around a lot of people that worked at big law firms, and I had mentors that were at big law firms, and because that was the lore of, like, if you did really good your first year, people were eyeing you for... Um, for potential spots to work at the firms next summer. So I kind of went through the process, not really wanting to work at a big law firm, but kind of being caught up in the draw and the money and all of that. But I I was doing horrible at the interviews because that wasn't me. Like that wasn't really me. That wasn't really where I wanted to be. And it wasn't until OCI was over and I didn't get any offers. And then I had interviewed for a public interest job at this um, huge civil rights law firm in Chicago. And prior to that, I was told to scrub my resume of all of my public interest stuff so I could be more appealing to these big business law firms because I didn't want to seem too left or too radical. And I did it. So when I got this interview with the civil rights law firm and I met with the founder and we went over my resume and then I told him my story and who I was and he was like why is that stuff not on your resume and that's kind of when the light bulb went out and where it started to click that 
you know, though that's the path for those other girls, those other girls are not me, and I have my own unique path to go on. And though while it's scary because it's not as much security in public interest, I know I have a passion and I know I have a purpose. And because I have, because I'm so in tune with that, I will be okay. And the fact that people see things in me and they want me to bring my passion and all of that to my job, those are the type of jobs and experiences I need to go down. Because a lot of what times what happens is you have, especially in law school, you have a lot of people that are public interest, but public interest doesn't pay as much as working at a big law firm. So what ends up happening is a lot of people may start off public interest, but they get scared or the opportunity presents themselves and they go for the money. But what happens is they'll go work to they'll go to work for these firms and then five years turns into ten years and then they get stuck. And then when they want to try to transition out and come back to public interest, it's actually hard for them to get a job in public interest because somebody will read your resume and be like, Well, how can we trust that you're really public interest? Or you just are just doing this just to do this. And I knew I didn't want to be that I didn't want to be that person that live my life thinking oh well i'm gonna just tough it out for five years to get to what i really want it's like well sis what was the point of coming to law school we need to go for what you want now don't wait don't wait trying to chase money like so once that light bulb started to go off i started to acquire more jobs that where the people really wanted me for me and they wanted me to be myself so i think i think that was it you know that's dope that's dope um i think that's dope i think because you really get to see the evolution of how like you decided in your 2l year that you were in that place where it just kind of through circumstances of you existing it just came to be Uh, let me ask you this now, was there any incidents on campus where you felt like it was important for you to like really, really lean in and like say no, you're not gonna do something? And how did you how did that feel? How did that feel on campus for you after you had been so vulnerable? Um, it was a situation that happened my third year there that had to do with the a drag show, and I'm going to be very vague, they had to do with the drag show and them, in a nutshell, conflating trans and drag queens identities and kind of making it a mockery. And I made the point to stand up and to to really push back against the event in a way that I knew would um, probably be an issue, but I guess I thought because a lot of people pegged themselves as progressive or pegged themselves as getting the conversation that it could be something that could be worked out. Well, what ended up happening is the situations aren't really nasty. And though I helped to get the event shut down because I think they were afraid that I was going to protest because I had to bring it to social media. Girl, you had scared them, girl. <laughs> I, did, I, I did. But you know what? That's part of being a lawyer. You have to, you know, Amen. sometimes you have wins in the court of law and sometimes you have wins in the court of public opinion. And, and one thing they weren't prepared for was that you weren't the kind of girl where they could just 
bogart you without you you immediately like you would if you were just any old random girl in community you never lost your community heart so when you saw some shit you used your community ties to alert the hootie who out there to something that was going on and i thought that was dope but anyway but the but the shade is they didn't know that i was somebody before i came to law school really? i guess they just thought you know i they was some. I guess they. I guess the people didn't really think to Google you because you're Googleable, bitch. Right. I I was somebody, and I was doing things before law school. So, uh, you know, and I like I still had those ties. But what ended up happening is people started picking sides, and a lot of people that I thought got the conversation really didn't get it, and were just diverse as a form of lip service but when they got called out on their shit they got really defensive and they kind of used their power to like socially um exclude me or socially distance me and it was very hard it was very hard not that i thought i would never have to deal with this can you unpack that can you unpack that social distancing phenomenon and the reason why i say that is because sometimes people think that violence against us is always perpetuated in this extremely physical way and i feel like sometimes what what that that what what you hear trans people talking about when they say talk about like toxic environment it's the feeling that now that i have as a trans woman or a trans person asserted all of myself now that i'm not just made a part of myself the one that you accept a part of the space but now that i brought all of myself there's a there's oftentimes this shift in the way that we're treated by other people. And so I, I want to take a moment there for you to girl, explain what it was like at like when you say um, it got weird or the per- or shit got kind of weird or awkward. Like what was that like that social distancing feeling? Cause that's what we need to unpack for people. That's where those are the daggers that make somebody feel like they don't belong. Well, go ahead, girl. Well, the one person in particular I had to beat with, she just stopped talking to me altogether. She stopped talking to me. And then we had a class together and she was like avoiding me. And she was like the president of our class. But yeah, she she was just avoid, but then avoiding me. But then I'm hearing on the backhand from other people that she had an issue with me. So I was like, you know, that's where. And then people that were associated with her that I also knew like, they weren't speaking to me or they would see me in the hallway and they would walk the other way or they were just keeping their distance. Like just little things like that. Nobody was being overtly transphobic where they were calling me out of my name, but it was very, I kind of felt like it was the narrative of like, she's crazy or she's overreacting. Mm -hmm, The cold shoulder. Yeah, she's being irrational. Did did that young lady play on that social, on that like, on that sympathy card? Did she like get other people to react funny? Because sometimes people Well, it was, I, from from my perspective, it's people that mentors that we have in common that I kind of feel took her side, which is fine because we're all you know, we're all permitted to do that and nobody has to be loyal to me, but it's just like note taken. And then when I would have conversations with them, it would be in the very vein of, well, did you really think that it happened? Or did you think, or it would be efforts to like force me to try to interact with her for the sake of, you know, us being like- You wonder why were they so invested, right? Like, why are you so invested? Because now this one person that- out of all the people that you that you know that we know each other mutually, that we know mutually, we've had a miscommunication. Not no real, like, I'm going to fight you beef. 
we just happen to have had a miscommunication and we're not necessarily communicating with each other. And, and you know, we're just not. It's just not something that has to happen. But the fact that all of these other black cis women were invested in you connecting with this one particular woman, like as if they were somehow going to be absolved or something of of their of the uh, maybe uh, maybe their complicitness in some of that behavior because by you forgiving her like the idea that you must forgive her girl she ain't mean it girl you need to be forgive her girl and it's like why are you so invested in that did you did you feel that 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 dynamic um kind of a little bit and no shade i still kind of kind of feel it but i i just have to you know it hurts to me it hurts with what i went through and one thing that i know is nobody can tell me that the pain or what i experienced wasn't real because i know that it was real but over time you just learn to um, not take it personal and just move accordingly. Because at the end of the day, we all still have to operate and navigate in this profession. Now, that particular individual, I really don't want to be in the same room with her or talk to her again. But, you know, it was a learning lesson for me. It was a learning lesson that... You are such a Sagittarius. You're like, no, girl, no. No, but it was a learning lesson for me that, you know, there are costs associated with standing up for what you believe in and i'd rather pay now than think you have this relationship with you for years and thank you down and learn about you later on down the line but like i said it's all it's all about learning people like i don't even though i don't like the situation and it makes me uncomfortable i really try not to take it personal and like i said i try to move you know where my talents and where my journey takes me i know i i know i have a path that has you know i know i'm setting myself up for a life of living authentically that when i look 10 or 20 years down the line god willing i'm still alive that i can be proud that i moved in my truth that i wasn't moving trying to get status or trying to be the girl that i i was who i was and i did what i did because it mattered to me so yeah, I, I try. I try, it was a it was a very hard experience that required several months of therapy, but I'm better. I'm better for having gone forward. And you know that's you, that, that's why I say you really got to know when you come to law school who who are who you are and what you're going to be and how you're going to play the game because it is a game. It yes, is a game. Yes, yes, yes. And then now let's talk about can um and then and so for people now that you have transitioned right and you. We're going through that process of like, okay, 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 okay. I'm got this to do. I have that to do. I have this to submit. I have this to turn in. I have this to study for. I have this practice exam. I have this test now to take. Now that all of that has come to this like grand conclusion, I just want to know, Mama, how are you feeling? And because I want to record it for, of course I know because we talked, but I want to record it for posterity. How are you feeling? And I also want you to know, I want to know at this point, where do you see yourself? Because this will be really cool to listen back. Where would you, where do you see yourself in the next? uh, I want to make it, I want to make it cute so then we can see it and really get, so let's say two years. Where do you see yourself in the next two years? Um, First part, so do the first part. What's the first part? But how do I feel? Yes. 
Um, like I said, I feel good. Like now, I feel great. I feel like I can do anything. I feel like I can, I can go anywhere. Like I feel really, I feel really good. Like I'm really looking forward to um, my next chapter. I feel, and I feel like I feel good because I feel like every decision that I made, especially um, during my bar prep, to be selfish that I made those decisions for the right reasons and I don't have any regrets about them. And I'm just, now, now I feel like I have to keep my, operate at a higher level and operate with higher standards in all areas of my life. So now it's like, well, bitch, if you can pass the bar, I can, I can buckle down and get back on track with my health and working out because when I feel good, I'm not, you know, going through the after effects of the chemo and it's all about planning. So now within the past week, I've literally been exercising. Like I get my, I get my big ass up at six, seven in the morning and I'm out running or jogging for at least two miles every morning when, when I, you know, weather permitting. Cause it's like, if I can do that, I can just apply that skill set to this. Wow. Also with men, um, I, I have to operate higher because now the stakes for me are higher. I can't, for dating or even for cutting up, having fun, this, I have to operate higher. You have to be of a certain caliber. Which brings to me my to attention. my next question for you, lady. And this is something we pre-discussed, but I think this is a great segue because I don't want us to lose it. Can we talk a little bit about what your relationship choices were like in school and what what if any sacrifices did you have to make on this journey to guarantee that nothing fucked it up? Um, well, I really didn't have any. I I don't even really think I was looking for a relationship. Well, especially after my first semester, I was talking to somebody, but that went down the drain. So I was playing around, but I met somebody. You know, listeners of the show. I talked about this guy previously. We started dating. Um, my last semester. Actually, we talked about two guys. If they're real listeners, now this is not the previous guy that she was just. Um, the guy that I was just talking about, that's a chop, but we will talk about that on another episode. And it wasn't a mess, but that's officially, that's officially chop. But going back to old boy, we'll call him D9, D9. If you, Nine. If, you, if you know, you know. Um, <laughs> if you know what it stands for. You know. Okay, D9. We'll call yes. him D9. So right. So we were talking throughout my last semester. Uh, the first time we broke up was around my birthday, December second, because the nigga forgot my birthday, and that was that was a situation. We tried to get it back together again, and he ghosted again, like around Christmas. And I broke up with his ass on Christmas Eve because I heard you say he he forgot your birthday. Now, did you address that with him or was that just- No, we addressed it. We addressed it and he sent me money. So how did he He, he get He quote unquote said he put the wrong date. He put December 3rd. Now, anybody that really knows me knows how intense I am about my sign and about my birthday. To and, the point where she reminds you when it's coming. Girl. Right. And his birthday is like a week before mine. Like his birthday is like one Thanksgiving. So, bitch, it wasn't like you. we haven't had this conversation and I uh, purposely made you take note of it. So, after the birthday thing, 
he kind of made it up and we kind of got it back together, but then he ghosted again around the holidays. So I had just finished my last semester, like December 18th or 19th. That's when I had like my last final. So he ghosted again. So I had to make a decision like going into the, cause my bar prep started the day after my last final exam. And I had three finals that last semester, like in class finals. So when he ghosted again, I was like, going in to this bar prep period, it's already a high stakes, stressful time. I only need people that are going to contribute to me having good mental health and encouraging me and getting me where I need to get to. And I don't need, if any, there, if there's any time to be selfish, this is the time because when I get my results back, I don't want to get any results in the event. I ha I don't want to have any results in the event. I don't pass this test. I want to know going into this bar prep se session or season, the, the month and a half that I did it, that I literally did everything in my power I could so I could perform well on exam day. But before you blow that, that juicy end to miss thing, I want to, why well, want our listeners to take a second because this is, I know that other black grown trans women are like, oh, miss thing, did she just say, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did she just say, so... You already knew coming in because I'm, I'm I'm about to I'm just slowing it down for a second. Coming into Christmas, he uh, he also was shady then as well. Like he de ghosted. Now, right. what was his reason for ghosting you? Because see, these I think the girls need to hear that part because somebody would say, well, how what could this man must have a bit of gold or he must have the best mouthpiece ever? Like he can talk his way. Like what was there's a there's a, there's because I want the I want guys and girls to know out there that manipulation isn't always some grand big thing. Manipulation can be the withholding of attention or affection until it is convenient. So Brianna, I would really love if you could take a moment and just unpack for our listeners what in that moment was the thing that he said to you that made you feel like. I'm not, I know that I'm not crazy that you did ghost me twice now, but what did he say to you to make you stay or, or make you feel sympathetic? What around <laughs> Christmas Eve? Well, after because you said now around Christmas Eve, yeah, when he did, yeah, what did he say um, to make you feel sympathetic when he ghosted for that second time? Well, the thing <laughs> is, he never gave an excuse around that time. That was part of the reason why I I dented it. He didn't give an excuse. It, even, it was just okay. Like when he got back into your life, I know y'all probably had a conversation. He didn't really, you weren't really, he wasn't really forthcoming. Okay. So that third time when he came back because he had a death in his family, he said it's because he was dealing with the person that died. Like he was taking care of them. But, but, but the first time around my birthday and around Christmas, he never said that. And that was my that was my issue with him with the communication. You know, so do you believe he's lying about the death, or that the death actually occurred? No, the death actually occurred. Like it was. So who you know, who did who who passed? Um, one of his parents. Oh, and so the, the loss of a parent, as we know, is can can be a severe thing. And um, I'm sure when he told you that you were sympathetic, right? Um, Definitely, I I I got it. But my thing is don't treat me like I'm not an adult, like I couldn't have gotten that or that I couldn't have. I would have fallen back to give you time, but 
to me, it's, it was still kind of selfish and kind of manipulative, even though I, I had sympathy. And you know, you knew what I was doing on my end. And I also I, want to remind our listeners, this also was a pattern of behavior that existed be preceding the death. Right. Not as if in this moment she, you know, and, ca- and continue after the death. Even in a way that was actually kind of hurtful because he would ghost in such an abrupt manner. I think that also is worth sharing. Right. So, so Christmas, I didn't, I didn't give him any excuse. And his thing was he didn't know that he had an issue with communication. So now, which I don't believe you being way older than me. But um, yeah, but I had to I had to make a decision to protect myself and I didn't have time to be getting depressed or feeling some type of way over relationship when I knew I had to pass this bar. Like it wasn't it really wasn't even though I didn't know whether I was passing or not. I was I needed to pass this exam because I didn't have time and it's expensive as hell to retake. So I had to do what I had to do. And the fact that you just didn't care about that or I was just on the back burner, I had to make a choice. And now that I passed it and I was successful, I don't regret that choice. And moving forward with me picking partners for whatever, I just have to move in a way that just honors me and allows me to operate at a higher level and to operate with people that really know my grind and know my hustle and that are respectful of it and that are trying to add from it. I mean, add to it. Like if you're not trying to, if you if you only want to be around so you can um, be close to me just for the opportunity to go down on me. And that's, that, that doesn't start, that's not enough for me. I need somebody that's trying to do more than put their, put their lips between my legs. Like I need, that's I need fine. more than that. I need somebody that can. Much and get payment. Right. I need somebody. That, if, you, if you watched our live, you know exactly what we do. Right. I need somebody that can contribute to my vision and that give, that cares about my vision. And that wouldn't do that wouldn't purposely or non-purposely do stuff to have me in a depressed mental state because we I, any guy that I date, I tell them once I open up and get to know them how the men abandoning me, that's a constant theme in my life. And when I when you do that to me, that hurts. That that really hurts. And it hurts to the point where it can be distracting. And I try to regret. Do you ever regret sharing that? Like, I guess no, because but no, because I see, I see it even when I was dating him. I always had it in the back of my mind that if this doesn't work out, this is just preparation for who I'm supposed to be with. So it's all ninja training to me, it's all ninja training and ninja training. (laughs) <laughs> no ninja ninja training meaning um is one thing to talk about knowing your worth and le- and walking out or walking away when somebody is not serving you it's another thing to actually do it when you're in th- when you're in the thick of it and when you are in the emotions of it all and when you're in the feeling of i don't want to be alone because i don't know how long it's going to take me to find somebody else again but you kind of have to go through the motions and know what it means to walk away and cut all ties and just live your best life as a single person and 
be hurt, but not be hurt enough to the point that you're just shut down and you don't want to have new experiences with new people. And yes. it just prepares you so when somebody else comes along, like the therapist, and appears like a nice guy in the beginning, but is low-key trying to pull the same card, it can be like, oh, no, no, boo, I just went through this, so I'm cutting this off now. So no shade. It's like I don't regret anything at all. And I'm happy that I chose myself. I chose myself on Christmas Eve. Most girls wouldn't want to do that because it's like, oh, this is the holidays. No, I have things that I have to do in life. I have a calling and you either with me or you are against me, especially in that moment. And I had to make a choice. Women in general, I said, I feel like that's a choice that I feel like not a lot of women are able to make. And I feel like we need to remember as a community that our strength comes in our ability to hold ourselves as precious. And I feel like what you did in that moment was a great example of self-care because at the end of the day, it's not that he was a bad person. It's not that he was anyone that was to be condemned, but you did a self-assessment and you saw that when you began to rank things in priority and what was important towards your success, you saw that there that that you needed to drop some weight. And I feel like that is a very powerful statement. And I'm glad you're sharing that part of your story because and he was a big nigga, so it was a lot of weight to drop, bitch. But that I part, did it. that part as well. But you know, <laughs> but look, girl, that's not a read because you know we love some thickums around here. We do. So it's all love, fellas. But um, it, I think I, now I would like to go back into my second part of my question, which was, where do you see yourself in the next two years? I feel like that's a good segue. Um, well, I see myself either coming off of another fellowship or another clerkship and just getting deeper into the the practice of law and just exposing myself to practice in as many areas as I can practice in. Um, Long term after that, I used to want to be a judge, but now I'm not so sure on that only because I'm a girl that loves her freedom and I make choices based on how much freedom I'll, I'll have. And judges really don't have a lot of freedom. Uh, but my viewers, because people would say, "Oh, they get to make decisions." Well, they get to make decisions, but as far as your life, you have to you have to move in a very particular way because you can't appear partial to anything. So, a lot of the ways that I engage in social media and I share my opinions, if I became a judge, I wouldn't be able to do that because that that those type of things could be used to invalidate my credibility. And when you're a judge, you just have to give up a lot lot of power. And me being honest with myself and the core of who I am, that's one of the things that I enjoy, being able to speak my mind and being able to connect with folks and be out and open with folks. And when you're a judge, you just have to be very careful about who you move with and who you associate with, because those things are, can 
always come back to be used against you. So I used to want to be a judge, but now that as I've gotten more experience and knowledgeable knowledgeable about the legal field, I don't think it's something that will work for who I am. I definitely um, am interested in running my own firm. I don't know what my practice area will be, but eventually I'm going to get to the point where I'm making money for myself and I'm able to sustain myself because when it's all said and done, I don't want to work for anybody else. I'm going to I want to make the shots. I want to call the shots and I want to be in charge of my destiny and in charge of how I make money. So that's the long-term goal for me at the end of all of those. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it takes a lot of sacrifice and it takes a lot of discipline to get there. And like I said, I'm not doing it. Nobody else could do. All it takes is planning and preparation and having the right people and the right team behind you that believe in you, honey, and that are willing to put you on. No shade. Thank you for sharing your journey with us, Brianna. Um, and if you guys would love to follow more of her journey, feel free to follow her on her social media platform at Brianna Jenkins, by Brianna J Law, um, on Instagram. Oh, it's and now also, Brianna. It's, it's now Brianna J Esquire. Uh, well, uh, 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 excuse me at Brianna J. Esquire on Instagram. And also feel free to follow us on box number 512 podcast, Black Grown Trans Woman Talk. Right. Um, and thank you so much for that though, Brianna, because having you as a part of this platform is powerful. And thank you so much for sharing your story because I know that regardless of what life comes, I'm excited to say that I hope that in two years, there's some trans woman that can hear this this bit of information that we put out there. And hopefully in two years, we're still doing this. But I want to say that I hope in two years, you're able to inspire someone else with this story to push past the obvious no's in life and to live in defiance of other people's expectations. So thank you. Hey, y'all. This is Aon. This is the Lioness. And you're listening to Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Women Talk. And we just wanted to remind you guys while you're listening to subscribe, rate, comment, follow us on social media, and share our podcast. And we wanted to let you know that we just started a new feature, Grown Black Trans Women Talk Live on our Facebook and our Instagram Live pages. And I'm going to turn it over to the lioness so she can tell you what um, to expect. Yeah, so you can expect hot new exclusive content. You can expect us having conversations about li living, loving, laughing in the pursuit of all of our successes. You'll be hearing us have enlightening conversations with other people. It's our way of connecting with you, our listeners. We want to make it a multimedia experience. And so please follow us on Facebook Live and our Instagram Live for more exclusive content. And now back to box number 512 podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Um, oh girl, bring us into our next topic, Miss Thing. I was like, <laughs> when you transition or like when you are queer and black in your family and when you're young, people kind of are like are have like a hands-off relationship with you. And I personally feel like a lot of people don't want to come around until they feel like you've made something of yourself or they feel like you have really accomplished 
um, something that they can brag about um, mm. to kind of add on to the fact that, oh, she's trans, but she does this, or and she does this. You're trying to go in. Huh? You're trying to go in, in. Well, not going in. Just I'm just noticing. No, 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 girl. I support it. Go in, bitch. No, go I'm in. just noticing. I'm actually giving you life, ma'am. No, so, so my mom. So I talked on the phone to my mom the other day, and she was just saying how she's told certain family members that you know I passed the bar and I graduated from law school. You know, which is fine. Parents are supposed to brag on you. Da da da. Right, but right, right. That, some family members that she's mentioned, like I never, I I literally haven't heard from them like since I was in high school or we just don't have a relationship where I call them on the phone, they call me on the phone or so, so it, so it's weird to me that like you guys are excited for me or you want to do stuff for me or you want to send me things now. But it's just like, where were y'all like when I was young in my identity and like nobody was kind of around or nobody was, you know, like nobody was saying they were proud of me when I decided to transition or when I had to stand up for myself. But it it seemed, it's just kind of weird that you know the that relationship. They want me now. I'm hot. They all on me. Right. It's it's just kind of weird that the relationship is mended only because I've done something that is like great in their eyes or is kind of traditional. You know what I'm saying? So, but and I'm not going to. If the relationship happens, I'm not going to try to shy away from it. But it, I'm just always going to have that feeling in the back of my head. Like, where were you? Like, where like where were you during the hard times today? Where, Like, where were you when I was down and out? Where were you when I had to figure out how I was going to pay to get my name changed? Where were you when I got fired for being... Like, where were you then? So it's, it's just that um, kind of thing in my, my mind. And then I had a, another phone call with my mom. And we'll probably talk about this on another episode. So I definitely have a family member who is totally resistant to the idea that I am a trans woman and dad names me and all of that jazz. And um, this is my mom. Is this family member close in proximity? Like an age? No, I'm saying, yes, I'm trying, because I want our viewers to get why it even matters, this other person, because we know that people who don't mind don't matter. But in this way, this family oh, matters. Oh, so, like, she's, 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 way, she's about 20 years older than my mom, but, you know, why it was so, why it was so, such a problem for me in the beginning is I had a close relationship with this aunt. Um, she lives in the South and my mom would send me to her house every summer. And, you know, we had memories and we had a relationship I had a relationship with her when, you know, before transition when I was a child and all the way up until I was in high school. But um, once I transitioned, she, and my aunt is very, like, religious, born-again Christian, goes to, you know, Southern church every Sunday. So she's very much that type of woman. So when I transitioned, like, would call, hang up the phone in my face, like, very much act like I don't exist, that type of thing. And for the longest time, it's caused it has caused a strain on me and my mom's relationship because my position has always been like, if I had a child and 
my sister or somebody tried my child because of their gender identity or whatever, you know, that would be the end of that relationship. Um, you know, that's personally how I, how I feel about it. As the years have gone on and as I've gotten older and I've tried to see my mom as not my mother, but a person. And also my mother is the baby of the family. So like anytime, anytime it has yeah, something that's to do with what you just said. Yeah, unpacking mom as a person. Yeah, deep. a lot of people need to learn that that's an important part of growing up. Yeah, so and my mom is the baby of the family, so she just has this thing when she gets around her old, her older siblings and stuff like that. She kind of like doesn't stand up for herself the way that I feel like she should. So um, as I've gotten older, I've tried. I don't. I don't want to use the word try to understand because I still don't understand it, but I've accepted that though my aunt treats me this way, this is still her sister. And she, you know, she wants to have that relationship or maintain that relationship. Um, and as time has went going on, because I've learned to let some things go, um, it doesn't bother me as much. Now, I, now, like my position is still my position. If I had a child and somebody was, blatantly anti-queer to my child that would be the end of our relationship but you know my heart is softened to my mom because my mom feels like she's in a, a rock and a hard place right. so to to make a long story short she told my aunt that i graduated from law school so and i and me and my mom had a blow up um about this before i got sick where i told her my aunt can't have a relationship with me, um, with you as a proxy. Like, don't divulge stuff that I've done in my life as Brianna, only for you to tell her that my me as my dad named Didham, because that's not the truth. Um, Brianna did this, and so she can't. She that's can't. Me. And I don't think parents understand why that is so hurtful to us. For for us to know that you're only really appeasing me in your presence. The notion that you don't really see me who I am, you're just humoring me. And that so right. when I'm when I'm not around, I'm nothing but that I'm nothing but someone that you you haven't seen in over almost two years. I've right. never I'm no one else. Nothing about my evolution is 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 present to you. I feel like that's an important thing I wanted to pull out of your story as well, Brianna, that parents need to understand that not affirming us. And, or, or, or when we know that as soon as we turn our heads, you don't even acknowledge us as who we are, it makes us feel like all of it's fake. And it makes us feel like we're really disconnected from you because you don't you, you are refusing to see what the very eyes are telling you. Right. So, and we, we will get into depth once we talk about our um, mother stories and our relationships with our moms. And it's, yes, yes, yes. And I'm glad that you and your mother have a great relationship, but I think I just felt it, like it was, in that moment, I wanted to speak to that. You know? Right. And it, it, it's hard. It was hard to get there because it, it, it just was hard because sometimes when you are hurt so bad by your parents or your family, it makes you never want to open up to them again. It, you know, and there's still some time, I'm still learning how to be open with certain parts of my life with my mom. And, you know, that's really hard for me. But, so she told my aunt that I graduated from law school, but I think she did it in the hopes that uh, it would soften her heart or it would make her come around. 
And she called me and she was very like upset that my aunt was still dead naming me and that she wasn't coming around. And I was just <laughs> listening to my mom. I'm like, mom, when are you going to let this go? Like, when, like, she, like, one thing I've learned about people that are anti, like people that don't want to get it, they're not going to get it. And I could become the president of the United States, but because the very core of who I am is against her beliefs, it's not, and part of me sees that little girl in my mom that wants her big sister to like accept her Aww. and be proud of her. But just me knowing people, like you, it doesn't matter what you do. If somebody doesn't like you because you're trans or you're queer or they want to be hateful to you, you could save their life. They're still going to hate you. So I, I'm just praying that my mom can like let that fight go. Cause I know in the back of her head, she wants she wants a day where my aunt and I can. And I know she would never say this, but I can tell she wants us to have a con. Cause stuff. There's been times in the past where it's like, well, if I set up the conversation, would you have it? And I told my mom point blank, no, because you can't change. You can't. You just can't change people's hearts. You just and that's just not a safe space for me to have a conversation and I at 31 am not going to go somewhere where I have to negotiate my name and my pronouns like that should be a given and like and listen, listen sis and you don't want to put yourself in a situation where your mom and your family is upset because I have had to read the face of right. my auntie who thought right. that they weren't going to get and I'll it do it I'll do it you I don't want to do it I don't want to do it but I'll do it because <laughs> At this I point, know the, the wrong right, the gloves are off. But even beyond that, no matter if I read her, she's still going to be her. But I, I think it just, I don't know. It, it, it troubles me that my mom just won't like let it go. Like she, like she want, she feels like she's, she has to make a choice. But it's just like you really don't have to make a choice because. I'll, I'm living my life and I'm happy and I don't need nobody's approval. And like, though I really don't care for my aunt, I don't be thinking about her. I don't be thinking about her. And because of the beauty of my community, I've been able to build family and create friendships and memories and bonds of people that give me what she used to give me or that give me what a lot of my family members used to give me. So I'm good. And I know it's kind of like, so every time I come home to visit, come to Atlanta to visit you, I can tell that some of my family members don't like that I'll come to Atlanta and I'll stay with you and T-Air, but I won't even call them to let them know that I'm in town. And it's just like, well, that's just a consequence of, of how I didn't feel love and I had to you know, build family with other people. And that's just, and I, I know when I go to the lioness and her husband's house, I don't have to worry about being misgender. I don't have to be worry about being called my dad name. Because when I, when I go to you guys' house, that, that's not even an issue. So I can, t especially when I was coming down to visit y'all and y'all were taking care of me when I was going through chemo, I can tell they really felt some type of way that, or they were hurt that I didn't reach out to them first. But it's just like, that's the consequence. That's the, every action has its consequence. 
So that's the consequence of you withholding love for me or acting like I didn't exist. I had to go out in the world. Part of your healing too. I was just saying, I find it, you know, what's interesting about what you're saying also too, and the dynamic of how like, I feel like, sometimes I feel like our allies are well-intending, but what happens is they haven't yet gotten to that place in their own advocacy where they feel like they can represent for the, their loved one or the person that they're an ally for in the way that they want. And what they will do is they will assuage that guilt by then telling me or calling me, because this is what happens in my life sometimes, somebody will not have been the best ally. And then they'll call me to tell me how their friend is transphobic and how they said this and it just made them feel away and they couldn't believe that the person said it. And the first thing that comes to mind when I hear that is, well, what made them feel comfortable saying it amongst you? But even, right. in, even when I get be, even when I get beyond that, because see, that the, if if you have already been, if you've been the ally you're supposed to be, they shouldn't even feel like it's even possible for it to come out of their mouth if they're talking to you. But because that's not the kind of ally that you've been, you now are trying to. You're hearing something that hurts your feelings because. You love me and you want to affirm me, but you haven't yet processed how to be the best ally you can be and be real with yourself and stop lying and saying that you are really, really down when you yourself allow other people to mistreat me sometimes. Right. So then what happens is after, after now, you've been in this encounter with somebody where you didn't feel like you were the best ally. You call me and go, girl, I can't believe she did that. And she said this and she said that and burns me up and it's part of it too and I think what I had to learn was I needed to set a boundary for what I could what I allowed my mom or my sister or my cousins or my friends to tell me I, I put a boundary on it because if I wasn't there one I, I don't really need to know because I expect that there are going to be many fires that you as an ally are going to deal with. And people are going to say things to you about me that are going to be problematic. But if you have snapped it like you should have, it should not be anything that you have to come vent with me about. Because really, mama, really, sister, really, cousin, really, friend, there's nothing that I can do. You're telling me about something that I wasn't privy to, about a situation that I was not about, and you're you're telling me this why? There's nothing I can do at this point but feel a way about you and the other person. Where really your goal is just to try to minimize slightly the guilt you feel. Maybe you didn't show up in the way you wanted to, and I think we got a process. But that's not always fair. If I wasn't there, it's okay to pay it. It's okay to say. This is not what you're going to do. We're hanging up the phone and that's that on that. And then keep that and not come back and tell me. Because sometimes it adds to the trauma of my life to know that you're affected by how someone else is feeling about me. Because I don't mean any harm, but it does put a, put a stain sometimes on things that we go through in our lives when other people tell us how other people felt about it. And it's like, I didn't need to know that. And then the fact that I know that now makes me feel kind of a ways in general. You get what I'm saying? 
And then she was trying to, she told me she was, she hoped that my aunt would send me something. I'm like, no, I don't want her to, I don't want her sending me. Right, like, like that, like now, if you weren't feeling bad because your mama feeling bad, it's like, I hope she sends you something. No, like I've been, I've been doing fine. I've been doing great. I've been surrounded. I've been good. Though my family situation outside of my immediate family is not what I want it to be. I've been blessed. I've been blessed. And, you know, I, I think I had more friends and more like um, LGBT family relationships than I do actual family. And I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that because I don't, I don't like that feeling of going to like your blood family situation and you are just waiting for the moment where somebody slips up. Like, that's not, that doesn't feel good. And I don't care that, oh, well, I've known, you just can't expect me to get with the program and I'm, I've known you. No, that's not good. I don't feel, I don't feel comfortable. And I've given myself permission to be selfish and not put myself in spaces where I'm not comfortable, especially on my free time. Like, if you can't get the pronouns right, if you can't get the name right, I can't fuck with it. I just can't. In order to prevent, because I don't want to be that, like, as you get older with your family, or uh, for me, I don't have that fight in me as I get older to feel like I have to fight you on my identity. It is what right. it is. I don't even want to have it. So if I have to even think about it, I'd rather not, I'd rather I not exist to you. Right. It is what it is. I've been living my life. I've been thriving. So me trying to fight you or trying to convince you, I've given up that fight. I don't need to convince anybody. It is can I, what it can is. Can I also say this too? And I feel like uh, the world needs to hear this. I don't give a fuck about how you feel if my mama is okay. If my mama has to call me Samaya, if my mama has to call me Brianna, if my mama has gotten with the program, Bitch, you're gonna get with it or you're gonna get the fuck on. She brought me in this world and she got with it. And I just want to put that in the space for our listeners because I feel like it's some people that really got some falseness power and a falseness of like entitlement. And they, they feel like by holding on to a dead name or by treating you a way that they have some kind of power, bitch, you have nothing over here. No, nothing. And just like you don't see me, I don't see you neither. See, that's what bothers them. And the reason what keeps them to it and their juices of hatred from, from afar and throwing little toxins at people that they can get that are that are that are our vulnerabilities is because they know deep down can't live in their authentic selves. Meanwhile, you shine bright like a diamond because you're a unicorn to them motherfuckers. And now the unicorn that they counted out has once again done some shit that I spoke against her, that I might have even prayed against. I might have prayed against her being that whole being that she is. And now your mama is calling her to be like, and my baby once again did something else. And I hope that this could be a moment of empowerment too, because it just shows how wonderful and how beautiful your mom's spirit is, but it also shows how great she did with you because you are such a strong, strong woman that you can actually be that person for your mom to say, mom, please don't cry for me, Argentina. It's okay, girl. Like God is good. Life is great. Like it's okay. Because 
I think sometimes our parents don't realize we don't need the family that they had to be okay. And right. I and no shame, she don't need the family that she has. To be truthfully honest, she don't need them. But like it, and I and I don't want to be elitist. Like particularly with my aunt, my aunt didn't go past a uh, no like a certain great education. Like, I don't even think she has her diploma. So now that I'm able to put everything into context and see everything for what it is, like, you kind of have to have some type of level of education to get it. And, like, she's not, she's, I don't think she's ever going to get it. And that's fine. That's, that. like, that's fine. And I don't, you know, point that, that out about her education and, her socioeconomic background with, you know, her working at the same job for X amount of years. Like, you have to, you, like I said, you, I get older, I learn not to take it personal. It's just, it, it just is what it is. And a lot of times when people don't have education and they don't have money and they're from the deep South, bitch, like religion is all they have. Mm-hmm. It just is what it is. And I'm, you know, I'm a casualty of that. But I've I've learned not to take it personal. I've learned, Since, you know. I live for you down, and if we were on our own call right now, I would have keyed and carried so many times at this very subtle and broad sweeping read <laughs> that you are laying forth, darling. No, this but is- no shade. It's not. It's not even a read. It's not even. Girl, it's you not, know the best reads are truth, girl. Don't do that. But it's not. But it's not. Like I can't get mad. I can't get mad. I can't get mad because <laughs> we both know the issues, uh, specific, particularly issues of like sexuality and gender identity. Those are very like academic, like collegial things. And in the church, it's taught. You know, that's the devil. And, you know, so I like now I get it. So it doesn't sting as much. But I, for my mom, I just wish that she would just let go of the fight. I just, I wish she would let go of the fight because I'm good over here. Like I have survived. I, you know, God has been good to me. I have never, I, since I've been here in Chicago, I haven't been hungry. I've always yeah. had a roof, roof over my head. I've always and had you had a community willing to contribute and be a part of that journey, just because they love you for who you are. Right. So, like, I'm good. I just want my mom to stop. And my mom, she's a Virgo to the core, and, you know, but I just want her to let it go. I just want her to let it go. Because now I'm at a place where I'm not angry at her for having a relationship. And I had to apologize to my mom, like, um, a couple of months, not this year, but sometime last year. I had to apologize to her because I was... um, punishing her for a long time for still having a relationship with my aunt, knowing how my aunt treated me. And, what did that punishment look like? Um, just putting my friends and stuff over her. Mm. Just always choosing them over her and then not even trying to really wanting to have a relationship with her. Like I was very angry at my mom. I was very angry at her. I don't want to say that I hated her, but I did not like her. Because and it, you know it was me being judgmental. Like, how could you choose her over me? But you know, as 
as my heart has softened and as I try to look at my mom and people in general through a complex lens, I, I, um, I try to be understanding. Now, I still have boundaries um, that, you know, I have the right to well, listen, but Listen, I just came up with, I just want to put this on there so we can have it on prosperity. This would be a good name for the episode, Unboxing Mama. Mm. Well, I don't even know because this is like this is not even the full like conversation that I want to have of like talking about. My oh, I mom. know that's what I was saying. That's an episode title. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, unboxing mama. Yeah. But but I don't know. As I've grown older, like I don't want to. I I came to a point where I didn't want to continue punishing my mom because that was only a manifestation of my anger and how I really had to work through the trauma. Um, that it is when a family member rejects you in that way and then life goes on and other people still continue to have relationships with that person knowing how they treated you. But um, I definitely had to work through that. But I just got to a point where I didn't want to punish my mom anymore. And I wanted a relationship with her and I wanted to have memories with her because, you know, tomorrow is not promised. And I didn't want me to die or her to die. And, you know, we at least didn't get to know where we we are now so um but yeah for the, a, right. lot, a lot of times i punish my mom i punish my mom i was very now i never told her i hated her or anything but i was very mean like it's very easy for me to be me especially when i feel like i've been wrong so i was i can't say i'm very i was i've been very mean to her but it was i was operating from a place of anger and disappointing and feeling that she really didn't see it for me or every time she says she accepted me, but you're going behind my back, dead naming me, having conversations about me with p- people that don't particularly care for me. So, you That's know. Deep. And you know what? I, you just talked, you just probably really spoke to some real shit. Um, um, I, 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 can, I can honestly say, even with my own relationship with my mom, there were moments where I purposely um well not not not, it's like purpose unintentional like i would i would i was aware that i felt away but because she and i hadn't gotten to a place where we could have a conversation about it or were are able to really unpack it because it was still so traumatizing for me i was i felt like i treated my mom in a very distant way and i feel like it was and to me i understand now that that was important Mm. That was important because what it did was it made it it helped me be confident and enough to affirm to say that my boundaries are so strong that no one will get a pass. And it was important for me because I think I, it was almost like I was living in a world where ninety eight percent of the world understood me, and then the people that I wanted to understand me, the people that I actually fucking care about were looking me in my face and purposely trying to say they don't understand. I mean, and even if you don't understand, respect me enough to say this is how I want to be called. But even deeper, after years and years of being someone's child, they will still go around other people. Because see, it feels like you're pretending. Either you're pretending with me when you say my name is Samaya. Right. Right. 
But and, one it, and you get to a point, it's like, well, bitch, do you see it? Like, do you see and it? It makes me not trust you at all. Like, it makes me feel like all of it's fake. Like, there's this fear of falseness on all of it. Because I know that as soon as it might even be just as petty as I hear you handing someone else the phone and dead naming me as you're passing the phone. Like, and, and it's just like, really? You really gonna fuck? I mean, Lord, and I just want to say that that just makes you feel like all of it is fake and it's for not. Because at the end of the day, this is not a game. We're not just doing this for fun. I get made fun of in the world and I still get the fuck up every day and I'm still this bitch. There were times where I would have to get on the same bus in the hood, in the almost in the in the before sunrise at twilight or whatever you call that, before sunrise, because I had to wait on the bus to get to work to ride two hours one way there. But guess what? I did it, even though I knew that there were those boys were going to be waiting for me on the corner every morning by Kensington train station. If you live in Atlanta, you know what I'm talking about. You understand? And I still had to punch through. Kensington Manor apartment complex. If you know it, if you're from Atlanta, you know what I'm talking about. And I was that woman. And I'm using that as an example because I feel like people think this is a game and we're just doing this for attention online or we're just around people because that's how they access us is through porn or online or in these like really surface ways. But baby, listen, before I ever had a surgery, before I was ever this lovely woman before you, I was some creature that everyone laughed at. And I was vulnerable and I was sensitive and I fought to be this person. And to be this person, I lost a relationship for a while with my own parents. And it took me a long time to get that relationship back. And so then if my parents are, have gotten to that place where they got it, it's really fuck everybody else. But also right. it hurts sometimes when your parents can't, it also hurts sometimes when your parents still don't have that extra umph to be able to say, not on my watch. Right. You do this in front of me when my child isn't around. You probably just not just dead naming them, but using the F bomb and other things too. You see what I'm saying? Right. So yeah, I feel you, girl. I just wanted to summarize that because sis, you have really, really articulated in your story about your mom, just a deeper, bigger, broader issue on like how allies need to be vulnerable enough and authentic enough in who they are to share that with the people around them when we're not around. Because it's really, that's what you can really control. I can't, right. when I'm in the room, people are gonna act a certain way and I'm not gonna allow them to act a different way. But when I'm not there is when you're really being an out. Yeah, yeah, but I know those, because my mom is the baby, those relationships really mean a lot to her. So I know that she's going to keep them, but you know, we've gotten to a point where it's like, well, I'm not just your child anymore. We we are two grown women. So if you want to be in my life and you want to be invited to stuff and you you want to know what's going on, we need to have boundaries. And my boundary is what she clearly violated by telling her I graduated and passed. But I give my mom a pass because that, that's just something, you know, that's something that you tell. But don't tell this lady, like, don't, she don't, she doesn't get to excommunicate me for, from her life and then get to have a relationship with me through you. Like, that's not what we're doing here. If I am dead to you, and, and my mom has, they, she's told me about conversations that my other aunts have tried to facilitate with her to get her to come around. And, you know, 
and I see that that's her way of advocating. Like it was a, so when my oldest aunt died, like I think this was like my first year of law school or like my first summer of law school, one of those years, they wanted, everybody kept begging me to come down to uh, Columbus to, for my aunt's funeral. But I'm just the type of person, I don't, I don't care what it is, unless it's my mama, I'm not going anywhere where it's a possibility for, for me to get tried. Because I know how impactful that is to my mental health. And I also know how they could get me angry. And I'm at the the age where I don't want to, you know, I don't want to act out on violence. I just want to, I just want to be mindful of how I'm conducting myself as a grown woman. And I'm just not going to put myself in certain situations. So it's a lot of family events um, down south that I just don't participate in um, because I know how my aunt is. Like when my uncle died, she was in a funeral, sat right in front of me, said hi to all of my cousins and didn't say anything to me, like ignored me. So like, th- you know, that's what she gives. So She really paid the I don't see her routine with you. Like she just literally had like she wasn't there. Right. So it's just like, I'm not, it's just like, I don't have time to, like I'm not purposely going to go out of my way to fly to Columbus when I know everybody's going to be at her house because in Columbus, her house is like the family house that everybody goes to and everybody eats at and we have free pets. So I'm just not going to, and my mom was really trying to get me to go. But she's, she's like, everybody wants to see you. And I'm like, mm, no, I'm just, you know, I'm no, no, I'm just, I'm not, that's not smart for me. That's not safe for me. So I'm just not, go- but she told me, the last time my aunts and stuff got them together, they were trying to get her to come around. And their basic thing is like, well, you're missing out. Like you're really missing out on a great person. But, and I, you know, I get that my mom wants to advocate for me, but it just comes to, it just comes to a time where you just have to let that go. And you just have to let people die who they're going to be, you know? But like I said, I'm- And I'm glad that you're at a place where that doesn't feel like betrayal to you. No, I have to understand that the relationships that my parents have with the people that they have are important to them. Right. Now, I wish they could be better allies and not care so much about those relationships that they would allow those people to mistreat their own child. But I no longer, as an adult, like what you said on earlier, unboxing mama or unpacking our parents and seeing them as humans. I now, like what you were saying, see them as people enough that I don't judge it because I understand that these people's whole worlds that existed before we came into the world are important to them. Right. And those people will never have the relationships. I will never have the relationships with those people that they do. So I no longer see it as a betrayal that they're not willing to throw away all that they know for me. It just is, and it's not that we're asking necessarily that our parents throw away anything. But I think if they only knew the power that they had, that they would be able to advocate and at least say, Hey, hey, hey! You're not in this conversation. This is the box we're gonna keep this in. You know what I'm saying? But I respect that our parents are doing the best that they can, and I feel like that's right. important right. to acknowledge. And I think my mom did tell me one time where she had a conversation with her, and she told her that like you, you that like that's still my child. So you can't disrespect my child. So my, you know, my mom has told me that, but my aunt, I haven't talked to her since I graduated from Morgan. 
Because I remember I invited her to Morgan, thinking, you know, extending the Olive Branch. And the bitch um, sent back my invitation with some um, daily bread um, scripture. And, and girl, that, like... Well, first of all, girl, I know you upset, but we want to, you know, we're not going to call no girl. But your aunt sent you a piece of, a piece of, a piece of, essentially a little hate piece, girl. Right. She sent back, uh, she sent back the invitation with like some shit, like a, a, a Bible verse, like one of them shady ones. Right. And that, oh. you know, and that was kind of the beginning. Of, well, that wasn't even the beginning. Even before our transition, we kind of butt heads because, you know, from a very young age, like, I just knew I was going to do me and all of that. Like, she, my aunt is very religious and that all of that fire and brimstone talk and that hell, that didn't scare me. Like, that just did not, I'm just not one of the people that you can scare into doing stuff. And like, the whole fire and brimstone talk and going to hell and gays, that really didn't do anything for me because I just don't believe God would make people like this and, you know, condi- I just, personally, I just don't believe that. And so we kind of, you know, you know, the seeds were planted early for us to, you know, have a difference of opinions. But that when she did that for graduation and then I called her to confront her on it and she didn't even want to talk to me. And then like I called her and she went off a little bit and then she just hung up the phone. And every time I called, she would just hang up the phone, hang up the phone, hang up the phone, hang up the phone. So that it was very traumatic for me. But in that moment, I knew that, like, bitch, this is for real. <laughs> like, this is for real, and she really doesn't. And, like, now I truly know what it means to be, like, shunned by a family member because I am trans or LGBT. And no shade, that was kind of, like, the start of my activism because I felt like, I think that's why I go so hard in my activism because it's just, like, I see you and all of the people that, you know, hate me or are against me. So I, I kind of think, you know, that's why my activism is set up the way it is. Cause it's like, bitch, I'm really fighting you, but you know, so yeah, it, it that, but that, that's just the or, origin of it. And, um, yeah, girl, dealing with family is hard. That's why it's so important for me um, to have uh, formed families. And that's why I'm blessed that, you know, being, having this experience, being trans and meeting all of these people who have like experiences and us really um, creating family amongst each other. That's why, that's why I go so hard for my sisters the way that I do. Because... Yes, yes, yes. Cause we are all cut from the same cloth in that regard. And we really, you know, when it all comes down to it, we really need each other. Cause a lot of times our families, you know, you're lucky if you are born into a family that gets it. But for a lot of us black people, they just don't, they don't want to get it. Exactly. And they, they can make it really hard for you. So I, 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 you know, I feel lucky that even though I do have blood family in all over Georgia, that I have people that are not my blood, but feel just like family. And I know I have somewhere to lay my head, you know? That part. 
that part. Um, so since this is a great time, I think, for us to maybe switch up topics. And um, unfortunately, this is just one of those days where it's just a lot going on in well, general. Well, like, well, sis, we are actually well over an hour. So let's I, pay it. Yeah, yeah pay so it I, think should, I think we should end this episode here. We we did not mean for this to be this long, but oh my um, god. Yeah, we did not. Well, we have these topics we'll talk about next time because unfortunately they're but all the topics. Or we could um you could see us talk about the topics or when we do black um grown black trans women talk live on Friday from our Facebook. Yes, you know what, girl, that's a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So we will see. Well. This episode will come out on Friday. We will see you guys sometime in the afternoon. Make sure you're following our Facebook page and we will finish up this conversation on Friday. Until next time, stay safe, you all. And yes, I also want you guys to remember to like, follow, and subscribe to us on our Anchor page. And also remember to donate if you love the experience and you like to be a part of of the experience to go more. Go on to Anchor and hit donate like thank follow you. also and subscribe to us on facebook and social other media platforms thank you bye see you guys friday for the live bye. thank you for, for listening, listening to, to box, box number 512 and don't forget to subscribe and like all of our pages on social media and don't forget to subscribe so you can see what we'll stop on the shelf next week bye